0: Hy-Vee, Chris Harrington and Aaron Courtney three broads bringing you stories and strategies exploring manufacturing topics that challenge the status quo while laying the foundations for future success together with special guests they'll celebrate what's working and unpack what is not so you can learn grow and succeed you want to learn more about your hosts? make sure to listen to episode one
1: hi Aaron. hello Chris how are you doing today you know, fine. <laughs> <laughs> My brain well, just reminded me of that thing. And I it's not, you know, safe for the airwaves. But what's fine stand for? F I? What is it? Have you guys heard that? F's, I haven't uh, heard it. Emotional something? I don't know. It's got some that's the kind of fine I am. Okay, yeah. so you're that kind of fine? I'm are... that kind of fine. Yeah, I'll look we'll it up.
2: You. We'll take you however you are. And then hopefully by the end Thank of the show, you. it'll be even better. I'm just curious if there's anything, I know this is going to date the show a little bit, but we've entered the fall season in Wisconsin. Anything in particular you're interested in for that?
1: Oh, pumpkin spice lattes? No, kidding. (laughs) Kidding. That's a hard no on that. We have, our leaves are turning and I have to tell you, it's just so exquisitely beautiful that it just, it just gets me every year, the leaves. Yeah. And, you know, I'm from New Mexico, so it's kind of new. Still, I've been here a long time, but it's just every time.
2: How about you? We have a friend from Brazil that's staying with us for the next 40 days. She arrived yesterday, and this will be her first time in the United States and her first time seeing colors leaves change. And we are planning to carve some pumpkins this weekend. First time she's ever done that. So excited to show her all of that and and experience the newness through her. I always love doing that.
1: Oh, October is such a great time to welcome people to Wisconsin, right? Yes, such it a is. Great time, yeah. yeah.
2: And this is a great time to introduce our guest for the show today, Mr. David Chrysler. Welcome to the broadcast. So nice Thank to have you. you here today.
3: Yeah, uh, thanks do- so much, you guys. I'm excited to be here with you.
2: Do leaves change where you're located?
3: Oh, they certainly do. Yes, they certainly do. So I'm uh, just outside of uh, Detroit in Michigan, but uh, okay. yes, we've got a lot of beauty around here with uh, changing leaves and uh, <laughs> it's much better up north than it is where where I actually live, but uh, it's still yeah. very, very nice to see.
2: Yeah. Well, and that's true here in Wisconsin as well. It just gets prettier as you go up, right? Yes. <laughs> Well, let me just give a little background of David Chrysler for our audience. And is it okay if I call you Dave? You, yeah. you know, you're know, you a
3: personal yeah, friend. A, so yeah, I'm like, I feel like David's a bit too formal. So.
2: <laughs> Even though it was formal for me. <laughs> uh, sir David. <laughs> yes.
3: Please, please.
2: Sir. <laughs> so Dave is the uh, founder and principal consultant of the Chrysler Club where him and his team help leaders in manufacturing unlock sustainable growth by creating systems that reduce friction Ooh. and free up resources. Nice. So, yeah, I mean, this is your oh. guy. If you're, you know, if you're bogged down with processes or you're looking for opportunities for efficiencies and you want to leverage the, the, the methodologies around continuous improvement, I don't know a better person than Dave Chrysler, but Dave, thank you
3: for that. That was amazing. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah, No, share a little bit about your history in manufacturing and kind of what brings you into the Chrysler club today.
3: Yeah. Yeah. For me, you know, I've, I've really been in and around manufacturing literally my entire life and a lot of people say that but for me it's it's it is very literal my parents owned you know two different manufacturing companies as i was growing up both in the the print manufacturing space and you know my professional career i spent nearly 20 years working for a a large publicly traded company that was based in and around manufacturing you know, in that business, they grew through acquisition. So I was very fortunate to have been, you know, one of the the kind of transition folks. And what that generally meant was, you know, as businesses were acquired, as there was some sort of organizational or operational change happening within those businesses. I was often tapped. While I would never tell you at the time, (laughs) I could say looking back, I'm very thankful to have been tapped for a lot of those opportunities because going into a, an environmental manufacturing facility that you don't know the people, you don't know the products, you don't know the equipment, but you knew what you had to do. And that was kind of maximize profitability, look for opportunities to increase you know, efficiency, kind of drive the company culture forward. You know, I knew that was what the goal was, but I really had to figure out kind of from a, a hands-on approach, how do you tap into the planning people process and and you know technology to be able to not just drive you know initiatives forward but to grow that business with not a lot of additional capital because we've already deployed that to purchase the business and in generally a declining product segment or a commoditized product segment and a lot of manufacturers face those things so you know there's a lot of challenges in and around those those kind of key things and that was the training ground that is kind of what I bring into my business today to work with you know leaders across various manufacturing industries kind of of all company sizes to to help them leverage systems and you know maximize profitability.
2: Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that such a you know real life experience, right? And I think being tapped probably not always the favorite thing at the time, because that's hard stuff, right? Yeah. But honestly, to get the growth and the profitability that you want out of an acquisition, you have to create efficiencies, you have to deliver on the things that ultimately were the things that got you excited about this next business anyway, and what you could do with it in order to to get that uh, profitability. So I think um, that's going to lend itself well to this entire conversation, and certainly uh,
1: drives what you do today. Yeah, um, I mean, who doesn't want to learn how to be more profitable? So <laughs> we're we're very excited. I'm sure everybody's eager to hear. So I kind of want to jump in with uh, a question that uh, walk me back if if it is like kind of out of left field for you, but I'm wondering. Given all of your experiences and in so many different environments, if what do you see, what have you seen lights people up like they're like, aha, that light bulb goes off most often. And then the inverse of that, what freaks people out the most, yeah,
3: great questions. And you know, I would say, kind of as a a general answer to both of them, the thing that really lights people up is when you listen to them. And that sounds so simplistic but that is the reality. Oftentimes, you know, from a leadership perspective, we think that we're listening to our teams, but the reality is that we're not. And, you know, when I was going into these organizations and even today, if I go into an organization today, that is still kind of the number one thing that I hear from folks that are doing the heavy lifting. You know, nobody's listening to us. Nobody's listening to what is really slowing us down. Mm -hmm. Nobody's listening to us to, you know, remove those roadblocks. And so I would say, you know, very simplistically, that is the thing that lights people up. You know, by and large, people don't want to come in and have a bad day, right? People don't want to come in and make mistakes. (laughs) People don't want to come in and and kind of rock the boat or slow things down, right? right? Now, you will find some people that make an argument to that and say, you know, <laughs> well, you know, Joe over here, you know, and the reality is just, look, there are are always going to be grumpy people that we run into, right? But by and large, people want to come in. They want to do their their work. They want to uh, contribute to the goals of the company, but they want to do it, you know, from the standpoint of, of kind of. I don't also want to, you know, incur all of these additional steps and touch points and all these other kind of things that I need to do to accomplish, you know, the goal. So mm-hmm. I would say that's the thing that lights people up the mm-hmm. most. And, you know, the inverse of that is is kind of what I already said, right? It is the the roadblocks that we often put in front of people. And And one of the easiest ways I can say that is very often when I am looking at a system, right? So Mm -hmm. a series of processes that may or may not be executed through technology. Generally speaking, you will find technology that is in place where the processes have been defined kind of after the fact. And what Mm -hmm. happens in that scenario is that you require people to execute process in a very inefficient manner because Mm -hmm. that's what the output is that we're requesting. And so that's the inverse of it, right? It's it's beyond just not listening to your team and saying, hey, this is really a pain for me, or this isn't working for this specific reason, kind of goes to that next layer down where we've kind of done things in reverse in an effort, which is crazy, right? In an effort to streamline things, (laughs) but but because we've attacked it from the wrong direction, we're actually slowing down our own progress. So we're getting in our own way of, you know, really moving the needle within our business.
2: Yeah. You you know, that takes me to kind of where I wanted to even go, because I I love your answer. And I especially, you know, love listening to them. So, so true. And it can be applied everywhere. But I'm gonna throw out a few words to you, okay? So standards, processes, continuous improvement, quality control, increased efficiency, aligned work structures, strategic planning, right? These are words that we hear all the time in manufacturing. And I think we all understand that when we do these things well, or we put the standards in place, we have quality control things will work better. Our systems are going to work better. But why an application is it absent? So when you ask for the standards, they're not there or they have to really go search for them because they're they're not easily available or they have work structures defined. But again, it's all dusted and it's in a paper manual somewhere that they can't access. So can you just talk about this? Because we do, we talk about these words. I know these for our listeners, the audience is going to understand that, but why did they just go, why is it absent?
3: Yeah, it's, you know, it's really the million dollar question because, you know, from my perspective and and my background and the things that I see, right, we talk a lot about, you know, root cause, okay, manufacturers love to talk about root cause, you know, and, and lean folks and ISO folks, everybody loves to talk about root cause, and when you break down a lot of the things that we see on any given day basis, whether that is you know quality defects, whether that is inconsistency, you know, out on the shop floor through customer service, right? Whether we're talking about inventory discrepancies, there's all these different examples to pull from. But when you dig into the root cause, ninety nine out of a hundred times you're going to find process being the root cause, and so you know. It's not enough to kind of gloss over and say to your point, Chris, that well, we do have SOPs. You know, we, we have them over here. Here, let me grab this binder, you know, under under the workbench or up on this shelf. You know, we need to be able to not only provide SOPs. But we have to provide them when, where, and kind of how people need to utilize them, right? So how often have you been into an environment where you say, you know, an an SOP manual, but that's just it. It's, It's a manual binder. It's a bunch of printouts. Are you really gonna pull that over when you need to do a specialty die change or something like? No, heck, no! You're not gonna go reference that because well, I've done this a hundred times. You know mm-hmm. what happens when you forget? You know the one bolt that needs to be torqued down to X spec, and so that I think is the big mess. People talk, kind of talk, hey, this is important, but when we get down into the weeds of it, and mm-hmm. you start to look at what that documentation is, how can we access it? How can we search it? how are we making it helpful for our folks to execute against it it it's not good enough that it just exists right. you know and in most in most organizations it doesn't even exist you know <laughs> so let's just kind of be real about it you yeah. know and that's okay right because you know the first the first way to address a problem is to say that <laughs> i have a problem All so right. <laughs> you know
1: well so you just you kind of alluded to it I'm curious about just nuts and bolts, <laughs> using that term again. What are, what are some tools, just tools that you like that are some of your favorite things that can get people to that point? You know, maybe you mentioned some technology, some techniques. Yeah. What are tools you really dig
3: yeah, there's there's a boatload of them, and again, if you if you have followed any of the things I put out, you know, tools to me are are just that, right? So I'll I'll certainly share some to answer your question, but I, I do want to put that kind of caveat around it because tools are there to execute process, and they execute process to increase efficiency and eliminate errors, right? So that's very important to understand. So. Having said that, and giving that disclaimer, you know one of the tools I love, love, love for process documentation is Notion. Right now, hmm. Notion is Notion. Yep, uh-huh. Notion is a free tool. It's a paid tool if you want to employ kind of team uh, methodology within it, but you can get you know an, an account for free, and it's basically a database tool. And so with that database tool, it allows extreme searchability, searchability that is kind of from the tools that I've seen across the landscape far superior to any other searchable tool. Mm-hmm. So that means that when you have your processes loaded in there and you have a keyword, you don't have to identify the keyword. You can type in into Notion in little search field, and it pulls up all of the references for that specific keyword you don't have to highlight what the keywords are a lot of you know lms systems a lot of other kind of you know specific systems for mm-hmm. process documentation require you to load in the keywords well that's great if you know what people are going to search for but what happens <laughs> when you have somebody new you know yeah, out yeah. on the shop floor right sure. so notion is one of them that i love the searchability okay. as i mentioned the other thing that you can do with notion is you can access it everywhere so you can access it on your phone. You can access it on a tablet. You can access it on a PC, on a Mac. It's a you know a SaaS product, so you can access it everywhere. Not only can you access it everywhere, but you can edit and you know create things as well as just view them. So I love that. So the, that's kind of from an infrastructure standpoint. That is one of the tools that I love and recommend. Beyond that, some of the things that we can do to to really amp up the effectiveness of our SOPs taking videos. Taking pictures, mm, creating okay. diagrams, kind okay. of think about it from the standpoint of not everybody learns by reading long form sentences and paragraphs.
1: <laughs> yes. Right? Many of like, us don't. Yeah. Who's got time <laughs> for that?
3: Okay. It's Related. still valuable because you know it's it's where we understand what all what all of those key steps are, but we need to we need to supplement that. We need to supplement it with short form video. We need to supplement it with diagrams mm-hmm. and pictures, whatever is kind of appropriate. And again, going back to Notion, one of the things I love is that you can create your process documentation with all of those pieces integrated. So you're not having to go and call out to YouTube or call out to another internal database system. You can house all of the videos. You can house all of the pictures, all of the diagrams right in your process documentation. You know, same thing from a kind of an auditing and a checklist standpoint, I talk about process prompts, you know, but basically just process checklists. You can create those and have those with a one-click touch from your process documentation to your checklist. So everything is tied together. You you kind of get, you know, a full visible picture of the things that that you need to do in order to execute, you know, these set of tasks to achieve this specific outcome. So
1: awesome. That's that's great to hear. I love getting getting tips on new pieces of technology and platforms. And that's yeah. a really good description.
2: Yeah, and there's some great ideas in there for people that whatever tool they use, how they can better their processes so they're more widely used as well. I'm curious, Dave, if you know you've talked about you know, efficiencies and reducing errors, and then the profit the outcome being profitability. Is there anything that's really exciting for you with where the future might be taking us with respect to all of that? You know, I'm thinking AI, automation, you know, all of the other things that are happening in the space of technology as you kind of look out, what is there anything you can predict or just something you're really exciting about? excited about?
3: Yeah, I think you know the the kind of the tools that we've been looking at the things that are being developed the, you know there's a lot of buzz right now not just around AI but around the the kind of no code or low-code connectivity and automation. So, you know, you've got tools like Zapier, which has kind of been a market leader for the last few years. But one that I really love beyond Zapier is called Make. It's just Make.com. There's a lot more flexibility, and it it actually has uh, connectivity to a lot more kind of platforms natively. But you you also have the ability to do you know webhooks and kind of custom APIs and all kinds of crazy stuff. The, the thing I would I would tell people as a, a general rule of thumb is, you know, again, don't go backwards, right? Start, start in the correct direction. And what I mean by that is, you know, don't look for ways to automate until you've already gone through, documented your process and look for things you can eliminate, right? Ooh, because why are we going to automate good. something that ultimately we could have eliminated? Yeah. It, it's it's one of those areas where, you know, again, I see people saying, I want to implement this particular technology, but not thinking about it from the standpoint of let's get it as efficient as we possibly can. And then let's look for the tool Ooh. that is the best tool to automate the execution of that process flow to again, do two things, increase efficiency, reduce the amount of potential you know error within that process flow right and that that may you may find that you need you know that could be part of your erp architecture so you might not be able to tap into something like one of those you know, low code or no code solutions, sure. you may have to pay for a custom integration. But once you've gone through and optimized that process flow and eliminated the things that you can and, you know, increase the efficiency where you can, well, now it's money well spent. Yeah. Right. It, your investment is a bit more sound because you've done the heavy lifting on the front end of that versus finding out. Oh, geez, we didn't need to. we actually didn't need to connect those two things, because if I just change this, yeah. you know, this this thing over here is, you know, kind of a non-issue. Right. Yeah. And I see that a lot.
1: Yeah. Oh, that is that is such I, f- I feel like we should name it the OG's principle. <laughs> that is that's such a good way of thinking about just technological adaptation generally i think we do tend to think that all oh, once we introduce a new piece of technology That'll solve our problems mm. instead of recognizing that the problems then become embedded into the system and the technology just sort of, they become exponential at that point sometimes if you're not careful about when you introduce systems of automation and other types of technology. And so look, take a good, cold, hard look at what you got do mm-hmm. that assessment and yeah. then go in for the the big hooks. So that's good. I like it yeah. a lot. Yeah, I, I mean, it's invite. it's
3: honestly, it's the reason that depending on who you want to cite, but you're going to see statistics in the, you know, 70, 80% range of technology adoption and failure rates because yeah. of exactly that, where you know, we think that the features and benefits of the technology are going to help us, you know, create our own best practice, our our own best process Mm -hmm. practice. And the reality Mm -hmm. of it is the people doing that task on any given day basis, they are the ones that understand what's slowing them down, what additional information they have to go seek from outside sources or outside, you know, systems or resources. And so if we start there and, you know, document and, you know, create process maps and then look for those ways that we can, again, eliminate things or streamline. Then once we have all of that, look for that piece of technology that is going to, you know, improve that that execution of process flow. I would guarantee that that failure and adoption rate would be significantly lower, even at the enterprise level. We often go about things backwards.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then it's more fun, right? <laughs> to do it correctly. like yeah. then, then you so get all it's the certainly wins. certainly more
2: expensive. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> in the world of everybody wants to go fast, right? You just laid out a, a mic drop moment that if you do this work first, you will be able to go faster later. So do the work. Pain Processes can be painful, you know. Diagrams, structures, getting everybody to agree, improving, eliminating. It's I don't think anybody ever ever said, I love doing that not in my experience, right? It's painful. But in this world where we want to go fast and we want to be able to respond to market conditions and things that are happening, or we want to take that next acquisition because we see it could add to our business or add to the value we deliver to customers. Let's take the time to do this work. So mic drop moment there. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's still hard work. There's We're not going to be able to replace hard work with all the technology in the world. We'll be working differently and maybe getting different things done. But stone yeah. by stone, that's how we get there. And I think one of the things that's exciting about process people and who would ever put those words together, right, <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it that they, they see that as a challenge that's really energizing and I, I imagine that's something great about working with somebody like you, Dave, because when when it, the responsibility is yours and your organization and your company, it can feel like such a burden. And then to have a partner who sees, you know, the yeah. joy in doing it and the pleasure and the excitement of finding all those inefficiencies, that must be a great partnership.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of fun. It's, you know, it's, it's the stuff that I, you know, as crazy as it sounds, it's the stuff that I love to do because it's such an unlock in business, you know, and and it doesn't matter the size of the business either. You know, I've, I've worked with some smaller companies who, you know, kind of say, well, why, why do I really need to do this? You know, we've got a small team of people, maybe they're, you know, five people today. It's like, well, the next question is, well, what do you want to grow this business to be? Do you always want it to be five People, do you want it to be 50 people? And if you don't start getting in the habit today, it is going to be very challenging for you to, you know, (laughs) to implement that when you are a team of 50. And it's going to be chaos, and people are going to cycle through this facility because, generally speaking, people want kind of order in their daily activities. And if you can't deliver that through process excellence, You're really going to struggle to kind of build a culture where people feel empowered to contribute on any given day basis. Mm -hmm. And the bigger the company, you know, work with enterprise level companies, it's the same issue just with extra people and extra zeros, Mm -hmm. right? It's the same challenge. They are doing manual things at scale, at scale that people would not even comprehend unless you saw it. They're doing those things manually. And it's, it's literally because we've not sat there, mapped out what we could do, taken a look at our existing tech stack and said, How can we do this in a more efficient manner? What are the triggers we need to do? What are the steps we have to take to get this process flow implemented in this system? We are paying tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars for on an annual basis. How can we do that? Because we're spending money already, you know? So, yeah. yeah.
2: Excellent. Thanks for all the Great advice. I, I know this is going to be powerful for a lot of people and they're they're gonna have those aha moments. And I think kind of what you were driving at earlier, Aaron. I think there's gonna be a lot of that for the audience. So Dave, can you just tell us what's something interesting about yourself that people might not know?
1: That's
3: a great question. Uh you know, I'll throw I'll throw out a really fun fact that I would Almost guarantee nobody would think about it. People that know me might know, but you know, even in my close circle of friends, I I would I would guess that most people would never guess this about me. And that is, I love fifties and sixties music.
2: That's awesome.
3: Yeah. (laughs) It's you know if Wasn't you go in my if, if you go in yeah. my car right now on Sirius XM it will be tuned to the 60s radio station
0: oh. and
3: yeah so you know like and it's kind of a wild story of why I love that music but when I was a kid and we'd always go up north to our cottage you know it's like a three hour drive and my parents would always play that music because oh. that was their music when they were growing up and it yeah. like got ingrained in me and so now. I that's, pretty much the only radio that I listen to is that style of music. And I, I tease my wife about her boom, boom music that she listens to, <laughs> you know, and now she's got my daughter listening to this boom, boom music and I, I don't understand any of it. So I'm an old soul.
1: Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, That's great. You know, it's funny. We like the, the oldies. Well, it used to be called the oldies. Yeah. Now I... when we listen to the oldies, it's music from the seventies and eighties. And I'm like, where's the duo? When,
3: I said the same you know... thing. It, it makes no sense to me. There's there's no, you know, oldies are not from the 80s. I'm sorry. You know, that's there's a whole channel dedicated to that. And it's certainly not oldies. So.
1: That's right. <laughs> uh, that well, that is a great one. I, I, I think that that's one of my favorite something you didn't know about me is because this is yes. you're right. And plus now everybody's gonna know because everybody's gonna listen. <laughs> That's right. right? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I
3: guarantee. I'm going to see some, some DMS from that one. So
1: <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. Awesome.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, this has been just such an enjoyable conversation, Dave. I know there's going to be people that want to reach out to you after hearing about this, where can they best find you and connect with you?
3: Yeah, best places uh, on LinkedIn or at our website. Either place, I hang out on LinkedIn quite often and uh, pretty active there. So feel free to to reach out there and connect with me. Happy to have a you know a, a phone call with you. You know, do a lot of that and happy to help and and do some brainstorming to get you set in the right direction. All right,
2: great. Well to our audience. Thank you for listening. And this is a couple broads signing off with one Dave Chrysler and we'll see you for the next episode.
1: Bye. Thanks, Dave. This is a lot yeah, of fun. Thanks
3: so much, you guys.
1: See ya. See
0: you. This wraps up today's broadcast. If you're looking to shake up the status quo at your organization, or just want to connect with these broads, visit mfgbroadcast.com. Contact Lori Hybe for your strategic digital marketing initiatives. Contact Chris Harrington for OEM and aftermarket digital solutions. And contact Aaron Courtney for web-based solutions for your complex business problems. We've got a great offer specifically for our listeners. You can find more information about the offers and your hosts at mfgbroadcasts.com.